What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Learn Lead Podcast. We're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, states are starting to open back up, and we hope uh, everyone could get back to work shortly. Landon, how's everything going, man? Well, you're you're inspiring me here and getting me a little more optimistic, for sure. I'm in, I'm out here in in Delaware and sitting in the back room of my house. Made this little homemade office. Just trying to get after, it, but it's still a little tough. Itching to get back in the office. Itching to get get out into the open. Me personally, I I don't mind it. I've actually been more productive than ever. I I do. It's a little upsetting about the uh, the personal interactions that we can't have. But other than that, Zoom has been super important. Uh, video calls have been really awesome. People haven't had really any objection as to why they can't sit down and talk about honestly anything. There's never been an easier way to start conversations with people. So it's been a blessing in disguise, but really excited to get back to, to normal here. I just can't wait to sit down at a bar somewhere and have a beer. Oh man, me neither, man. That'd be <laughs> nice. I can't, I, I'm going to head up to Delaware once this is all over. We'll have a nice beer. It's been a while. We'll do it to him. We'll get it going. For sure. So uh, I'll tee up the interview that we had. We had a really good interview. Got a little emotional for a little bit. We had uh, Coach Sam Tooley in the uh, the virtual studio of ours. He was really awesome. He's been a uh, he's the owner of Alpha Garage and the Alpha Fit Club. He's an online endurance and mindset coach. I met him on a virtual retreat that we did for this company, Live Better, who we're actually going to be posting a podcast with soon. And he was just he had so much great insight to bring, and his story was so compelling. He's so young. And uh, he's really crushing it in his respective industry, and so he had a lot to bring. And there's a you'll you'll see in his story there was some some really emotional moments. Uh, Lane, you got anything to say about that? Without without giving it away, guys, the emotional moments. I mean, this man has been through some things that that most don't have to go through, or you know, he and he's made the best out of his situation, and he's he's really taken off in a great way. So, uh, like I said, without ruining what we talked about. He faced some serious adversity. I want to say he starts talking about that towards the middle of our conversation. Um, so I would definitely recommend tuning in and listening to that and listening to how he bounced back and his whole his whole journey. Yeah, no, well said. And then uh, we both actually did – I sent you over that uh, PDF, uh, that MP3 file where he did a guided run, which was about 30 minutes where he's talking and also playing music in the background. It was really motivational. So if anyone wants that – Feel free to DM us on uh, our personal Instagrams or the Learn Lead Instagram. We can get that over to you. It was a really good run. What, how was your run like with that experience? I'll be honest. I've never heard of people doing that, but it, I mean, maybe maybe that exists somewhere else. But if it doesn't, this guy's on to something because um, I, you know, I've worked out my whole life relatively through college and sports and and so on and so forth. And now, you know, you're when you're not playing sports, you don't have something to to work towards necessarily, unless you're looking for a big long-term goal, which, which I try to stay rooted in, but you know, not to go down a rabbit hole about that, but hearing his, his program and going on that run, he's in touch with all the new music and all the good stuff out there. And, uh, it's very motivating. He he'll, he'll dim the, the volume down a little bit. He'll talk to you for a little bit and he's not corny. He's not hokey. He's not over the top. Like he's, He's a he's a he's a good guy who's well spoken. He has very intentional words to say, and the and the music he picks out is 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 good quality music, upbeat tempo stuff to keep you keep you going. So it's good. It was good. Yeah, it was it was really good. And I'm not a runner by any means. I'm trying to get into it, but I did the whole 30 minutes, ran three miles. I granted, I puked my brains out right after, but I was hyped. He fired me up, and the music kind of progresses as it goes on, where it gets a little bit more fired up. So it's really good. So if anyone wants that, feel free to DM us for it. 
Otherwise, everyone, I really hope you enjoy the interview and feel free to interact with us and Coach Sam. And I uh, hope everyone's staying safe as usual and enjoy. This is the Learn Lead Podcast with your hosts, Tony V and Landon Arcangelo, coming to you with exclusive access inside the lives of some of the world's most successful leaders. We got Coach Sam Tooley in the studio. Well, our socially distanced virtual studio. Sam is an online endurance and mindset coach. He's the owner of the Alpha Garage and the founder of Alpha Fit Club. He's just an overall solid presence in the health and wellness community. Sam, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, fellas. Yeah, I wish wish it wasn't uh, from a distance, obviously, but uh, happy to be here and, and happy to hopefully kind of share, share some knowledge and, and give some value. So Sam, Tony hit me up and said we had you coming on. He sent me your Instagram profile. You have a pretty big following. I had never heard of you. So anyone else that's in the same boat as me, can you tell myself and tell the listeners who you are, where you've been, and where where you see yourself going? Yeah, so I am Sam Tooley. I'm 27 uh, from Westfield, New Jersey, and I own Alpha Performance, which is also known as The Garage, uh, to the homies who come through. And that's more of like a private, semi-private training facility. Um and I also own Alpha, Alpha Fit Club, which is a group concept uh, just down the road that we launched pretty much a year ago uh, this month. So coming up on the one-year anniversary of that concept and one that we're going to be rolling out to a few additional locations, hopefully, um, over the coming months and the coming years and, and things like that. Um, but where I got my start was in terms of business was Instagram, ironically, and, and kind of like laughably enough, like my buddies and I kind of just joke at the fact that I have the following that I do, um, which is peaked around like 64,000, 65,000. And um, that's, that was my first business was about three and a half years ago, I started the Instagram account. um, And it kind of came from a place of necessity and needing to figure out how I was going to start making some money and saw a major gap on Instagram where everybody was posting you know, um, fitness content for guys who want to put on muscle or ladies who want to drop body fat, things like that. And nobody was really catering to the endurance athlete, which is kind of what I was starting to do myself in terms of coaching at my high school, training local runners, things like that. And so I kind of took a stab, stab in the dark and said, you know what, like I will document my return to training and try to pair that with um, an online coaching service for endurance athletes all over the world. And so very quickly that um, that took off from a lot of grunt work, quite, quite frankly, a lot of DMing people, a lot of begging people to be be my clients and let me train them and things like that. Um, but slowly and surely that, that built up and I was coaching people from Australia to Switzerland to Mexico City and all over the US um, and most recently have kind of leveraged my life experience, my coaching background and, and history, um, the businesses and things like that to start diving into a bit of consulting and a bit of mindset specific work um, as well. So a lot of pots on the stove, a lot of exciting projects and you know, getting to connect with guys such as yourself and kind of just share um, what is my, my crazy ass life story is also um, just super fulfilling as well. So 
can you talk about some struggles that you've been through, some adversity that's kind of shaped you to get to get to where you are right now? Yeah. So, I mean, it, again, it's one of those things where everybody has, everyone's got their story. Um, you know, everyone, I always say to people that, you know, everybody you're walking past, everyone that you see is dealing with something. And some of us do a better job of masking that. Some of us um, keep it to ourselves and others, you know, use it as hopefully a platform to maybe help others. And so I've been at every stage of that. And right now, you know, I'm using using what I've been through to hopefully uh, shed some perspective and kind of, you know, ingrain the mindset that I've come to have um, based on those experiences. And so um, my coaching career started about four years ago when I came home uh, after recently getting sober. And so um, growing up, I grew up in a, in a pretty broken home, um, picture perfect from the outside. My town is, you know, picture perfect as a whole. And, um, you know, but it was a really broken home with addiction and um, just a pretty dysfunctional marriage and things like that. And so I grew up around um, just some turmoil. And luckily enough for myself, I had a really positive outlet in running. Um, I played every sport under the sun, but found found running just to be what I was looking for in the sense that um, it was explained to me that running was fair. And much of my life to that point, I felt like it, it wasn't fair. Um, and so I was, you know, it was explained to me that, listen, if you show up day in, day out, and you put in the work, like, you're going to get better, and you're going to improve. And so for me, that was all I needed to hear. And I saw some pretty, pretty immediate um, success with it and eventually became uh, a state champion and a division one athlete and scholarship recipient, but, um, you know, worked my absolute ass off every day at practice. And my coach even said to me, he's like, you're the angriest runner I've ever seen in my life. And it was really my opportunity to take out that frustration that I had from my, my situation at home and put it somewhere positive. And so um, just really found myself through that sport. Um, but then when I went off to college and, and eventually decided to kind of forego my running career, um, the running, you know, the joke was is that whatever I was all in on, I was all in on. And so it really shifted from being somebody who was dedicated to, you know, improving and getting better and running. It was somebody who was just going to have a really, really good time. And I went from, being something that I enjoyed to being like a necessity. And most of my days I wanted to kind of just fast forward through. And so I uh, took, you know, getting kicked out of college to um, being a fifth year senior, working at a dump as a garbage man and living in an unfinished basement um, to, you know, finally hearing just a, you know, a girl uh, share her story. Um, and it was, it was like one of those aha moments where, it all kind of just clicked. And that, that in itself is, is a much longer story than we have time for, but found myself listening to a young woman share her story and it just kind of hit home for me. And she was able to articulate what I had been going through internally in terms of the anger and the frustration and the, the loneliness and hopelessness, like all of what I became, she experienced and she came out the other side. And so from that, I just, you know, I, I was, luckily kind of shown the light and she explained that you don't have to live that way and that it's a choice, but that the responsibility kind of falls on you. And so, um, 
that was like my second chance. Basically it was like, I was really, really in a dark place. Um, you know, almost, you know, to the point where I was contemplating committing suicide and, and just very, um, you know, it was, it was a struggle for sure. And, uh, luckily, you know, figured, figured out what needed to happen. And, and for me, the first step was to go to rehab and get sober, um, to go to a sober living situation. And then I eventually moved back home, uh, to coach. And so that was kind of the first, the, the first step along the way and, and was a volunteer coach at my alma mater, um, with, you know, some of the guys that coached me, which was amazing to become essentially their peer and immediately figured out that that was where I was supposed to be. Like it just clicked and was super supportive, like just felt like that was my calling and that's where I was supposed to be, especially because very soon after moving home, uh, I was, I was certainly tested. And, um, you know, that first season that I was coaching, my dad passed away super suddenly and somebody who was my biggest fan always supported me, even when I felt like I didn't deserve it per se. And, um, you know, so he, it was the first time that I had lost somebody and really the first test that I had in terms of staying the course and staying strong after getting sober. Um, I think in most cases, historically, I probably would have crumbled and just returned to my old ways. Um, but because I was coaching, because I was kind of, uh, being held accountable to a group of young men and a group of young women, like I knew I needed to, you know, stay the course and not only be there for them, but be there for my family, be there for my little brother. And, uh, you know, I, I started to kind of get my, my act together and figure out what I needed to do to support myself. And that's where the Instagram was, was born from. And then, uh, from there, I said I was a little bit scared to just have an online business. And so I kind of took the leap of faith and signed the lease to my first gym, which was just 500 square feet at the time. And, um, you know, so it was kind of this, it was kind of this ebb and flow of like, you know, figure your stuff out, get knocked down, figure your stuff out, get knocked down. And that's, that's stayed true after the fact, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, right after signing the lease to that gym, a month later and nine months after losing my dad, we had a home fire. And so this was about two and a half years ago from today when I'm telling this story. Um, and we lost everything, most specifically being my little brother. And, um, you know, I was, I was home during the home fire. We woke up in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., um, smoke filled the house. Like we woke up late. And just very lucky to have woke up in general at all um, to the point that, you know, I had to punch out my window, jump off my roof, run around the house. Like um, it's, it's one of those memories that unfortunately, and, and not to use any pun, but like is burned in my memory. And uh, that was, you know, you talk about like, <laughs> here I am trying to start a business, do X, Y, and Z, get my stuff together. And then this happens and just turn my world upside down and really put everything that I was pursuing to a halt. Um, just, I was, I was pretty much, um, I was really trying my best to get back to work and get back to life, but man, like it just was, it was virtually impossible to do so. And, uh, it took me a full year to really get back on track and and get my bearings again. And, quite frankly, like give myself permission to live life. And, you know, I, that's, that, that was my, 
those were my battles. Um, everything since then is like, just, you know, it's nothing in comparison. And so, um, after a year of really fighting and having to kind of get my stuff together, um, you know, I, I hit that one year anniversary mark. Um, I, I actually completed a half Ironman on the one year anniversary and remember basically crossing the finish line and feeling like this massive weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Um, and just that I had given myself permission to live life. And so since that point, since that one year anniversary point, um, for the last 18 months or so, I have just had my head down and worked and worked my ass off. And so, you know, relocated that initial gym, opened another gym, uh, started a nonprofit in my brother's memory, uh, really scaled my online business, like have just been dialed in. And a lot of it has to do with having this mindset of, one, just being really grateful that I get to wake up each and every day because not everybody gets to wake up. And I think that's just so hammered home in my head and in my heart that um, it's just the truth is that I wake up and like, you know, there are plenty of days, especially right now as we get go through this pandemic where it's easy to pity yourself and it's easy to uh, be like, oh, woe is me. But at the end of the day, like, who am I to, to complain about anything because I get to wake up. And so when you have that mindset, when that's like the core, that when that's at your core, it's, it's really easy to kind of just stay, stay motivated and keep, keep um, a very level head and perspective. And that's not to say I don't have my days, but um, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, all, all of what I've been through has certainly really just created this internal drive that is really, really hard to turn off. And I think has become like this chip on my shoulder that quite frankly, I I love to leverage because I think, you know, anytime we have something motivating us that strongly, um, you know, we can really use it to our advantage, especially when it's for good. You know, so much of what I get to do every single day is centered around helping people and helping them believe in themselves and helping them push themselves past their self-proclaimed limits. And like, I've been so far on the opposite end of the spectrum that, you know, a a massive part of my mission, a a a massive part of what I'm striving to do is to make sure people never feel like I felt. And so that, you know, having been at the dark depths and then having, you know, just been through what I've been through, I think that combination is, is dangerous. And so it's kind of, you know, expedited the, my, my path to, you know, what most people would, would see as success. Um, but I, I also do just feel like I'm just getting started. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my story in a 10 minute nutshell, but, um, I know that's also, (laughs) that's a lot to digest as well. No. Wow. All I can say is, wow. And I, I can imagine it's probably a sensitive topic, but how old was your little brother? So Jake was six years younger than me. And, uh, so he was 18 when he passed away. Man, I'm really sorry to hear about that, man. Um, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, listen, that that's the crazy part is right. Is that the kids that I was coaching, a lot of them grew up with Jake. Um, you know, we were super different kids. Um, he was a little bit more reserved and it took him a little bit, uh, longer to really kind of find his stride and find, you know, who he was. Um, to find like a really core group of buddies. Um, but at the end of the day, like he was somebody who was so, um, so joyful 
and like so contagious in that joy, especially when he was younger. And I think a lot of times as, you know, when we're young, we're goofy and we don't really give a crap what anybody thinks. And then as you get older, especially in high school, like that joy can really become kind of like stifled, right? And it's almost like abnormal and and looked down upon to be just like a happy, goofy kid, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. I've I've been lucky enough to one, obviously coach at that level, but also speak to kids, you know, of that age. And so much of the the message that I try to share with them is like, you know, what I started out talking about on this podcast was like, everyone's going through some shit, right? Jay grew up in a in a an incredibly difficult family situation with addiction and divorce and this, that, and the other thing, and like. I luckily, you know, when I was in, when I was in middle school, when I was growing up, like that wasn't the case. Like my family was great. I had the best situation and it wasn't until I was much older that I really had to grow up and and kind of mature very quickly, but unfortunately Jake didn't have that. And so uh I always felt for him in that way, um but always admired, you know, his ability to stay positive and just care for other people and so that's a massive part of the nonprofit that we've built in his memory is really it's it's centered around the idea of of taking care of people and trying to like create moments of joy and so an example being is we held the first ever night of lights 5k which was in Jake's memory last September and we had over a thousand people run we had over 300 people volunteer we raised over $15,000 in just registration and donations, no sponsorships, no nothing. And so hopefully that's something that can continue to grow, but is really just a testament to who Jake was, you know, the impact that he had and hopefully the legacy that, um, you know, he can continue to have as well. But yeah, man, a super young dude who certainly had a, a, a hell of a life to live. And, um, you know, it just, again, it puts, it puts things in perspective too. You know, as we worry about not being able to leave our houses and go to the park, um, it's, you know, it's unfortunately that's, you know, unfortunately when that's uh, what you've been through, it really contextualizes the, the minor inconveniences of life. What was the, what was the cause? What, what did you, did, did that ever come about? Did no, you guys ever fire. figure that out? Um, yeah, they think that it was actually old wiring that was laid down and then they put mulch over the wiring and then eventually that just kind of like smothered together. And, uh, it was, you know, that's at least the, that's what like kind of the, the fire scientist, I'm not sure of the exact name, but you know, they obviously do extensive kind of research and fact finding and stuff like that. And so from our understanding was just, we lived in a super old house there was some old wires lying around and, and we smelt smoke the day before weirdly enough. And it just smelled like someone like a barbecue, you know, it smelled like someone had maybe done a fire, um, in their backyard or something. And obviously we kick ourselves now, but you could always play that coulda, shoulda, woulda game. And, uh, you know, there's certainly an immense amount of regret and guilt that I've had to work through myself over the past couple of years in the sense that again, like, you know, I was, I was home and my, my gut reaction when I opened my bedroom door to flames, literally meeting me in my face was, 
you know, slam the door shut and, and punch out my window as opposed to, you know, run, run through it. Um, but you could play that game forever. Right. And it's something that I've had to, to fight through and, and kind of make amends with and move forward from, but yeah, uh, just a, a crazy circumstance. And really the best way that I can describe it to somebody is that it was one of those things where you, you see it on the news and you would never expect it to happen to you or even somebody that, you know, but, um, it, it can happen. Well, we appreciate you sharing that with us, Sam. And a, uh, it's very evident to see that that's the, the drive that it's instilled in you and the motivation that you have. I'm part of Sam's, uh, he just newly created a kind of a, a network of people that are trying to get up early and no longer make excuses and live a life of gratitude. And he just continuously poses us a new question every day of how can we live in gratitude and be excited to what we get to do today. And I, I really appreciate you having that drive to really inspire others to be them best selves. Yeah, man. I mean, I think for me, it quite frankly, like so much of this stuff that I do is to hold myself accountable. Right. And so absolutely. I know that people are benefiting from, you know, from that group from, which is just 25 of us, right. Who, who reached out through Instagram and said like, yo, I want to be a part of that too. Um, the other day on Wednesday, we held a virtual 5k and over 500 people signed up and trained together for the last month. But like, quite frankly, it's almost this, like, I forget the, the, the name of the, the terming of it, but it's almost like self selfish selflessness where, you, I know that by helping others, that fills up my bucket, right? And so part of the reason that I do it is because I know by helping everybody else, it's going to make me feel good, you know? And so that's kind of the best of both worlds, but it's also just a reality. And so as, my, as much as I, I appreciate you saying that, there's also just a truth to the matter that like helping people feels good. And I've recognized that from from what I get to do at a daily basis on the gym to what I get to do on social media. And so it's, it's an amazing thing that I get to consider that part of my, how I make a living as well. Um, but I, I also just recognize uh, the importance that it serves in my own life to, to make sure that I continue to push forward is that I, I know I can be a role model for other people to do the same and it fills up my bucket at the same time. So um, appreciate you and, and everybody else kind of buying into a lot of what I put out there. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to better myself? It's, it's pretty awesome. Let's, uh, let's transition to the business side a little bit. What are some of the, the strategies that you use to grow your business and your network through Instagram and stuff like that? So a lot of my Instagram growth over the last, I would say, let's, let's say the last two years, right? Because initially it was a lot of like grunt work. When I say I was following and unfollowing people, liking a hundred posts a day, DMing anybody who followed me, like you name it, I was doing it. And it was my, really my only sole responsibility. I didn't have, uh, another source of income. Right. So I could really just focus my entire energy on that. Uh, when I started to put more things on my plate, I really just started to authentically document my journey. And I think that that's something that as I start to consult with other fitness professionals and things of that nature, so much of what I preach to them is like, listen, like there's, there's no secret to this other than just being consistent, right? Being consistent, posting daily, doing the, you know, doing the usual, but what people jive with are people being themselves. And I think what, you know, it's so easy to pick up on somebody who, you know, is 
is not living um, in alignment with who they really are, even on social media, right? Like, yeah, we, we get that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like we, it's the, the secrets out. No one's that dumb anymore. And not even that too. It's, it's to the point where it's like, I don't relate to that. Right. So if someone's doing this picture, perfect life, that ain't my life. And so I don't met like that doesn't jive with me. I think that the reason people have taken to my journey and my, you know, Instagram, which is a reflection of that is really just because I am very open and I'm pretty vulnerable and it's really become a place for me to just kind of like open up about what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with. And the posts that do the best are the ones where I'm like, yo, I'm struggling, right? Because others are as well. And I think that the, it, it, it's not just like, Hey, I'm not doing well. It's, Hey, I'm not doing well, but this is what I'm going to do about it. And it's really a lot of those posts are, are me talking to myself and telling myself what I know I need to hear. And a part of my morning routine, my daily routine is to journal. And so a lot of those times in my posts, I'm really just rearticulating what I wrote to myself in the morning. And it's kind of just this open conversation, this open dialogue with my followers. And so I'm taking everybody through everything. Um, and I'm not sugarcoating it. And I'm not kind of hyping it up to be something that it's not. And so, you know, that's, that's been the secret to it, right, is just be yourself. And as easy as it is to say, when you have 64,000 followers, like, it wasn't always that way. And the strategies remain the same. And so I can only talk to what's worked for me. And the beauty of it is, is just keeping it simple and being myself, uh, but also holding myself to a, a high standard of, of kind of perseverance and, and resilience um, and, and hoping to kind of inspire people through that. As you've expanded and grown, have you had to grow a team? Have you had to hire people? And if so, where is that right now? And where is that going to go? And where are your goals for that? Sure. So with, um, with the garage that has, that was, you know, been, it's been me from the beginning, um, with the original gym, but the, uh, the alpha fit club has really been a a team collaboration. And so I had, you know, two of my private clients reach out to me and, and kind of show interest in opening a group concept. And so we looked at some of the existing ones uh, from F45 to orange theory and things of that nature. And kind of just took a step back and said, you know what, like we think that there's um, there's something missing in the market for group fitness. Most of my clients were coming to me for, uh, private training because they were getting hurt in those group fitness uh, experiences. And so while the community was amazing and the experience and the vibe of a group fitness concept was what they were looking for, you, you can't exercise if you're hurt. And so, you know, I, I initially was like, okay, group fitness is dumb. Like they, didn't, they just don't know what they're doing. But when we took a step back, we said, okay, the classes are typically overcrowded. The trainers are typically underqualified. The programming doesn't necessarily make sense. The equipment isn't usually top tier. And so we took all of those pain points and we really fixed them with the Alpha Fit Club experience. And uh, we started to kind of create this team, this ownership team that had different backgrounds from franchising to you know corporate expansion and then myself being kind of the fit, fitness nucleus of it. Um, and we've, we've really put together a strong group um, from not only myself, but then now the other trainers and, uh, you know, front desk staff and things like that. And so 
you know, to, it would not be where it is now today and with the future that it looks to have without this, with this, without this diverse team. Um, but that's also been an incredible challenge for me because I'm used to running a one man show and making decisions, you know, at the, at the flip of a coin. Um, and so now it's, it's taking a step back and remembering what it's like to lead people right in a different way. Like, as opposed to, you know, when you're on a, a team, you know, a sports team, you can just outwork everybody and demand that they keep up in real life. Like that doesn't work. You know, you can't just be like, let's go pick it up. Let's go pick it up. Like that's not, people don't, um, that doesn't resonate with people. You have to really show them why and articulate why it's important. So, um, that's been my most recent challenge and I foresee it continuing to be, but it's also the one that I know has the biggest reward at the end of it as well. So we're, we're certainly a growing business with a growing team and we, you know, it's just a necessity. You know, you can't do any of this alone. No, I like that. And would you say that you're trying to almost duplicate yourself through some people so that one day you can step away and go into other business ventures? Um, I wouldn't say that I'm trying to make more of me, but I, I would say that I'm, you know, there's certain qualities that I know I have that we, we certainly look for in the sense that like, you know, you have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to show up. You have to check your ego at the door and and ask for help when you don't know the answer to something or you need to put your head down and figure it out one way or the other. Um, you know, people who recognize they're not above any one job, right? I'm, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning so that I can go set up the gym and make sure that the towels are good and this, is, this and that are ready because that's the type of person I am and that's certainly the type of person that I'm looking for. Now, is it easy to find that type of person? No, of course not. But when we do, I make sure that we treat them very well and, and that they recognize that they're important to us. So um, to, to answer that part of the question, you know, there are certain traits, but then there's also things that I'm not good at, right? And so it's really also finding people who are good at things that, that maybe I lack in. Um, and I think that's where our ownership team has really come into play because, for example, I'm more of a, a big picture, you know, down the road kind of guy rather than the tiny, tiny details and the X, Y, Z. So um, I love to think of like abstract outside the box ideas. And then when it comes to like the tiny details of like paying bills and things like that, um, that just never has been my forte. So it's, it's good to find people that can also fill the gaps. But at the end of the day, we have core values that we, we live by as, as a business. And those certainly are, are ingrained in our hiring process. Um, and then to your point, I'm, I'm always looking for new opportunities. I'm always looking for how I can leverage what I'm already doing or leverage my network or connections or just the skill set that I have to, to open new doors. And so I continue to add new projects to my plate. And, you know, if it becomes too much, then we pivot and change. But that's, that's definitely how I operate. I love the mindset behind it all. Did, did you happen to have a, a mentor that taught you any of these principles and habits? Someone that you confided in? So part of what I think has been so instrumental, again, goes back to the lessons that I learned when growing up on the track team and running. Coach that I had was like a super militant dude who had an incredible kind of like history of coaching and and quite frankly, and winning. And so 
I, he was just somebody that I looked up to immediately and emulated him in terms of like what I thought I brought to the team, right? Like a certain toughness. I was not your typical runner. I think, um, you know, I was one of the few who still brought kind of like a sports and athlete mentality into the running world, which was different. Um, you know, example being in this <laughs> probably isn't something that I should repeat, but like you step to the line of a cross country race and most of the kids are super frail, super thin, super smiley. Everyone's like high-fiving, wishing each other luck in the race. And I would stand there stoic. And like, if the kids on my team, like there was seven on a varsity squad would like go over to like dap somebody up before the race and offer them good luck. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, we're out here to kill them. <laughs> and everyone's like, dude, like relax. It's I love fun. it. Same, same thing. I'm like, nah, dude. I'm like, that's not, I was like, they are not our friends until the race is over. So, um, I just, I, I took his mentality, his persona, and I really embodied it for us as a, as a team leader. And I think that the lessons learned in running have really translated into how I operate now. And again, I lost that for a long time. Um, but other people that I've always looked to is, you know, like my grandpa, for example, was a young entrepreneur who bet on himself and started his business when he was 23 selling you know, life insurance and health benefits and grew that into, you know, a multi-million dollar business. And so, you know, there's been figures within my life who just carry themselves a certain way and are really people who, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is there's, there's people who instantly demand your respect, right? And it's not always associated with age. It's really more so in how they carry themselves and how they treat other people. And I seek to kind of carry myself in a similar manner. And so there's plenty of people that I've been lucky enough to surround myself with, even like some of my best friends, right? Who just, they, they deserve your respect. And you immediately feel that because of how they carry themselves and how they, you know, what they demand of themselves, but then also how they treat other people. So that's been kind of the corner and the pillar stone of, of, of how I try to operate on a daily basis. I, Sam, I saw a, a picture of you on Instagram. It's a split. It's a split screen picture, and on the left side is you and you're running, and it, it looks like you're in cross country shape, and it, it definitely looks like you're a lot younger. So I'm going to assume high school or college. And on the right hand side, there's this guy who's Jack Diesel standing there, all cut up, and uh, you, you had a, a massive comment in the comment section talking about endurance and strength, and, and can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So something that we're doing now is we're really trying to bridge the gap between endurance athletes and strength training. And something that, you know, while I was certainly off my rocker in college, something that I really um, leaned into was the weight room because I was tired of being a stick figure, which is, is the picture you're referencing on the left. And yes, I could run a 5k in 1530, but I also was just so weak. And, um, you know, I wanted to make that shift, especially when I stopped running. And so I fell in love with the weight room. And that was the only productive thing that I was doing in college was studying, you know, exercise science, studying um, anatomy and physiology, and like all the things that come to really just be the backbone of, you know, being somebody who's in the fitness world. And so I got my degree eventually after getting kicked out of college and let back in, in entrepreneurship. But my main focus of study probably was exercise science in college. And so 
the weight room was like my laboratory and I was an experiment of one. And when I came out of college, I was 60 pounds heavier, um, but muscle and probably beer muscle, but muscle nonetheless. Uh, and I, I, when I got sober, I said, okay, well, I'm going to start training again, especially if I'm going to start coaching. I can't have these kids kicking my ass at practice every day. And my fitness came back so quick. Um, like I couldn't really believe it. Like it certainly was very, very humbling when I first started, but my ability to run with 60 extra pounds, um, shocked the hell out of me. And I went on to run, you know, sub two minutes in the 800 again, which was pretty solid. Um, you know, I would win some local road races and 5Ks and like 16:30. I ran a half marathon and 116, which is you know you're running 13 miles at 5:45 pace. Like I did a half Ironman. You know, I I was shocked at how much the ability, like my, how much being strong helped, and I didn't get hurt. And so when I started kind of making connecting the dots, I was like, okay, I was like runners and endurance athletes can benefit so much from this strength training that we need to kind of break down this myth. We need to break down the myth that, um, you know, it's going to make you big and slow and this and that. And so we really went to bat and that's kind of, uh, you know, the messaging that I'm trying to put out now by again, being my own sample size and saying like, listen, I'm not, I'm not just not just preaching this to preach it. Like I'm preaching it because it's the truth and I'm doing it. So those are, that's the the reason behind kind of like the before and afters, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's, there's so much misinformation out there that sometimes you just have to say like, okay, you don't believe me, watch me. What would you say are some of the core things you make sure you do to achieve what you would call a productive day? So for me, I mean, I have to wake up early. Um, so there's two ends of it. It's really mornings and nights for me. So um, I'll say this is it, the evening before, right? The night before, um, I would do my very best to one, get to bed early. I'm like, I'm, I'm on a grandpa schedule. So um, again, it's, it's a byproduct of my morning, but I'm, I'm in bed so that I can get at least seven hours of sleep. Um, eight's usually pushing it, but seven is almost always the case. And so I get the sleep um, and I also just have a very, I live and die, my, live and die by my schedule. Um, if it's not on my calendar, I, I assume that it's not actually happening. Um, and so it's, it's just how, how I've kind of programmed myself because as soon as I'm in on something and I accept the invite to something or whatever, it's in the calendar and I just know it. And I'm referencing my schedule so often that... Um, it's just a part of kind of how I'm, how I'm going about my day. And so uh, the schedule is super important. My to-do lists are super important. Going through how I organize my to-do list, would, we would need a separate podcast. Um, so <laughs> we'll save that for another one, but uh, really thorough on my to-do list. And so it's just about really being as organized as I can. And so many of those systems have been trial and error, and I've just found what works for me. And then I need time in the morning for myself to set my day up uh, just for, you know, I need that time in the morning to get my head clear. So my first sessions are typically 5am with clients, which means I need to get to the gym by 430 to set up, which means I'm getting up at 330, you know, and again, that's, that's earlier than I would absolutely like. But at the same time, 
my thought process is very simple. Every single day I have to earn the business, right? I don't, no one owes me anything, but I owe it to my clients to be awake, to be ready, to be, you know, contagious with my energy. And they're paying me for that, right? And that's a privilege. And so I know I need to wake up and have time to read and meditate and get my head straight so that I can really just be who I know I'm supposed to be each and every day. And so my mornings are packed. You know, I typically will train clients from five till about maybe nine or 10. And then really, you could say almost like my client day is over by 10am, 11 at the latest, and then I'll stop, have a big lunch, refuel, and either take a nap or just get a coffee and then get back to it. And the afternoons are usually filled with meetings, calls, my own training sessions. Um, and then I'm winding it down by about 6.30. With the, the service-based mentality that you have behind your business, you just can't lose in the long run. That's why you're, you're, you're going to win eventually. And I'm not saying you're not winning now. You're, you're crushing it now. And that's why you're going to scale this business to what you want it to be eventually. And I've incorporated some of those principles that you in, implement in your routine. And over the course of a month, it's felt so amazing so like I wrote in our chat today, I'm up at 5.30. We're doing more things by 9 a.m. than most people are doing in an entire day. And to be able to see that and be able to live that, it just makes you more confident in your day and more productive and that compounds eventually. So before we wrap this up, would you mind talking a little bit about the uh, the game plan, What something that you implemented that's coming out soon, that uh, that workout program? Yeah, so the game plan, I teamed up with my buddies, uh, Jason Lobig and Brett Gornick, who are Nike instructors out of Chicago and run a company called Live Better, where I met them basically on a retreat in El Salvador, just really connected with them. And they are of the same mindset where we all come from athletic backgrounds, but at one point or another picked up running. They both ran the Chicago Marathon this past year. And we just recognize, again, there's a gap in the market to educate endurance athletes as to the importance of strength, mobility, core training, all of these things that, again, most runners would tell you they know it's important, but they either don't know what they're doing, feel like it takes too much time, or are just doing the wrong things. And so we set out to put together a program that um, you know, really just helps put the pieces together for um, our endurance athletes and at a super reasonable rate when, when you, when you consider the amount of time and, and energy that we've put into this and will continue to moving forward, it's 59 bucks a month for three of the best coaches that I know. And, uh, you get legit like access to us. So couldn't recommend it more. And again, this is just the first month that we are, um, kicking it off. And so I'm sure there'll be some trial and error and some learning, but, um, really excited for it. And again, you know, we are experiments of one. So we will be doing the program right alongside everybody. And we're pairing that with an endurance program that I put together for the next round of the Pursuit of Progress virtual race series. Um, so that race will be May 17th. And we'll see how much of an improvement we can make from this last race to, uh, to the next. What is to come for Sam Tooley? Good question. Um, one way to find out, to be honest, I think we're going to keep pushing the ball forward in all of these different avenues from uh, Alpha Fit Club corporately expanding to our second and third locations, hopefully selling uh, our first franchise in the very near future. 
Um, I would like to continue to build out these run initiatives and I'm hoping to coach about 20 athletes specifically for the New York city marathon, um, and compete right alongside them. Fingers crossed that that race still happens. And then, um, you know, we're starting a New York city run club with the Wallaco boys. Wallaco is an athleisure brand that I'm really connected with to just from their mission to their founders and et cetera. Um, so making a, a little bit more of a presence in the New York city market myself, um, continue to, you know, just share the story, share the message and hope that again, kind of leading by example, people will, um, buy into kind of how I'm living my life and hopefully, um, get some value from, from the content that I'm putting out there. And, uh, you know, just more, you know, I would say more, but also just do what I'm doing better. You know, I think a lot of times we get caught up in like, Oh, we need, I need five more gyms or, Oh, I need 10 more gyms or I need this, that, the other thing. Like for me, so much of my mindset is like, just get better at what I'm already doing and that more will come, you know? So I'm really focused on quality over quantity, but knowing that if I continue to stay true to that and stay true to the work, you know, more, more will come as well. Sam, what do you want to leave our our listeners with within 30 seconds, give some type of motivational value you want to leave them with and then finish off with kind of telling everybody how they can follow you, your social handles and that nature. So I think we've been doing a lot of these mindset calls lately and the like ending truth that I keep giving everybody is that nobody's going to do the work for you. Right. And it's so important to recognize that, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a say in the cards that are dealt, but we, we control what happens next. And really that just means like doing the next right thing and taking ownership and responsibility over our lives. For a long time, I didn't do that. I was very good at pointing the finger and blaming circumstance and this, that, and the other thing. And it wasn't until I took ownership over my life and took responsibility for my actions and what happened next that things changed. And so I would encourage everybody to take a step back and just ask themselves if they are doing that. And if not, um, why not? Right. And that they need to kind of rise to the occasion and, and make that shift that they really want to get where they're at. I think it's one thing to say, oh, I want X, Y, and Z. But if you're not willing to back it up with the work, then it's really just wishful thinking. And you're going to be thoroughly disappointed when it's not just handed to you. And so that's a harsh reality, but it, it's just the truth. And so it's kind of, uh, what I what I like to leave people with so that it, it gives them something to think about um, and if you want if you want more of that hard truth uh, really the best place to find me is just that on Instagram at coach.samtooley um, and I'm I'm posting daily so you'll get a little dose of that medicine on the regular guys if if a guy like Sam at 27 can go through this type of adversity and he still has his shit together and he's thriving and he's scaled multiple businesses, what what the fuck is your excuse? You know what I'm saying? So leverage the free shit that he puts out before it costs you 500 to 1,000 bucks a month just to get access to this guy. Keep leveraging that. Everyone have a great day. Go crush it. for tuning in to the learn lead podcast where you get to own your life stay tuned for our future guests coming soon make sure to like and subscribe